0: Welcome to Fresh Off the Set. I'm
1: Carrie Hawker-Diaz. And I'm Alora Murray. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us, whether yes. you're in your car, cleaning your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> All the fun things. Wherever you're listening, we're so happy that you are. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, today's podcast is very interesting to me. I have a lot of opinions. Um, I will hold back on most of them, but we are talking about AI and how it is affecting us in the workplace, in the future. Um, I talked with best-selling author Eliza VanCourt uh, about why AI is affecting more women than men, actually, uh, at work, and how quickly it could become a problem for certain jobs. So oh, that's
1: scary. It, it, it freaks me out so bad.
0: Yeah, it scares me too. Yeah.
1: Honestly, like whenever a new technology comes out, I, it, it's always like, oh, this is scary. What's it going to do? Like, I remember. I was in college when Facebook came out, you know, I'm dating myself. And I remember back then I was talking to my mom about it. She's like, this sounds weird. What is it? And she was like, do you know these people that add you, that are your friends? And it was like, well, you should know them because you can accept friend requests. And mm-hmm. I remember when Facebook came out and we were all like, oh, what's social media going to do? And truthfully, social media has been so positive in so many ways it connects you to people and it helps people not feel alone but there are so many negatives to it
0: there are so many negatives we talked about how we started seeing uh ai influencers
1: see and that and that's what i was going to say i understand that all technology has negative and positive but these ai
0: influencers
1: freak me out because we've gone past pictures now there are influencer video. Yeah. You
0: sent me the video. Yeah. And a couple of them are like, all right, you can tell a couple of them. I couldn't tell, but you know, it. they're only going to get better.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it, it. the technology is going to get better. The effects are probably going to get worse from these videos. And it's just so scary because every once in a while, it's like, well, what's next is a rope is a robot going, if I go to a restaurant, is a robot going to be serving me instead mm-hmm. of, a human or, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, when we were in St. George doing our one of our shoots, we had a robot deliver food to us. You remember yeah. that?
1: Oh, yeah. I just, I, I mean, in the job that we have, um, I just love human connection. We get to talk and meet amazing people literally every day. And we talk to them face to face. Sometimes we do podcasts, we have to call them in, but we're still having these conversations. And with AI, I'm not only worried about it, taking jobs, that's just something I worry about. I'm also worried that that human connection is just it, mm-hmm. it's going to become a thing at the past.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because if you look at the, I mean, like when I graduated high school, I think cell phones were just barely becoming a thing. Uh-huh. So if you look at the transition from like, even like to go back to computers when we first all got computers and then cell phones, iPads, all the things, social media, where are we headed now? AI is the, the big elephant in the room, you know? So
1: I, I just have, I have so many feelings. Like you said, Carrie, I agree with you. I have so many feelings. I have so many opinions. I understand. I've always tried to be like a glass half full kind of girl, um, you know, kind of woman,
0: but, um, it's just evolved. It's evolved so much.
1: It's still, as it goes on and on, I'm like, doing everything I can to make that glass half full but more the more and more I hear about it I'm like the glass is empty. True
0: <laughs> well speaking of hearing about it should we give it a listen? Let's do it. I am so excited to talk to our guest on the podcast today, Eliza Vancourt. She's a speaker and bestselling author of A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space. Eliza, it's great to chat with you.
2: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Okay, I'm going to start with what industries and jobs are suffering the most from AI? I am so interested in this.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because people are saying women in general, but it's actually really not women in general there are going to be 12 million workers who are going to have to change jobs to stay relevant in today's new economy. But really, workers in low-wage jobs are 14 times more likely to have to move to other occupations than high-wage positions. And also, jobs in the two lowest uh, wage quintiles are really disproportionately going to be impacted, which is going to be You know, people of color, people with less education, um, people, uh, those are the people and women, those are the people are really going to be disproportionately impacted because they tend to be in those lower wage jobs.
0: Okay, interesting. And what can we expect from AI in the next several years, do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that AI are going to do that people traditionally did. And I think the really important thing to remember is that, you know, historically, when there has been some sort of societal upheaval, for example, an economic downturn or the pandemic, the people who suffer have been people in targeted groups. But the difference this time is we actually can see it coming. We see it coming. The studies are there. We know what's happening. And so we know that, for example, if there is a job that has a lot of Um, writing involved, but it's not particularly very nuanced writing, that that job actually may be in danger. So there are a lot of jobs that in the more basic levels of kind of human thinking are going to be impacted.
0: Oh, interesting. And why are more women and men losing their jobs due to AI?
2: more women than men, Mm -hmm. because women tend to be in lower wage jobs. Mm -hmm. And so because society in in our society, men tend to be in positions of leadership more than jobs, more than women, and they tend to be therefore in more secure positions. So and women tend to be, for example, for example, in customer service or um, in in direct jobs like being a waiter, those kind of things. Believe it or not, those things are actually customer support. All of those things are going to be in danger.
0: Wow. Okay. How soon do you think this is going to be happening?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody really knows exactly how soon it's going to be happening. And people are trying to fight it. Um, And there are some things that I think we should fight. Some things we can't. I mean, we really can't. We live in a capitalist society where people prioritize, unfortunately, profit over human beings. That is just what the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so if people are going to be able to cut jobs, they're going to cut jobs because their priority is not the people who work for them in many, in most cases. But on the other hand, there are lots of things that we can do to prepare for that. We don't exactly know when it's all coming. For example, if you take the strike right now, the actors strike, and you take mm-hmm. SAG actors, you know, SAG actors, what they're really freaking out about is that They're taking actors in a room. This actually happened. They're scanning them and then they're saying, oh, great, that's wonderful. We're going to pay you this very nominal amount of money and then we're going to use your likeness as an extra in perpetuity.
0: It is crazy.
2: And that's crazy. And so that kind of thing, we can actually legislate or people can form unions and we can make sure that we're actually collectively bargaining to make sure this stuff doesn't happen. But there are other things that, you know, I was just in California and I saw a little robot. (laughs) (laughs) delivering somebody's DoorDash. Oh,
0: my goodness. (laughs) And
2: and I just was like, whoa. And that happens now in certain parts of California. So I think that, you know, things that we can't really fathom are going to be normal are going to be normal pretty soon.
0: Pretty soon. Okay. What what can we do as women to not be disposable in the new age of technology, in your opinion? What can we do? Is there anything?
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, we can absolutely make sure that we are educating ourselves about this emerging technology. And there there are so many courses out there that are available. But I think more importantly, if you're a woman and you're in a position of leadership in your organization, or if you just are somebody who's really good at organizing, tell your organization that you want to have continuing education so people aren't left behind. And specifically say, not only do we want education, but we want childcare on site because what they find is when you just offer education often single moms can't take advantage of it so it doesn't really do much good for the most vulnerable people so we should be advocating in concert for more education for women more not just higher education but trade education which will actually be in in all the technology and make sure that we're getting education, we're getting women the opportunity to take advantage of it, even if they're moms who are doing all the primary parenting.
0: Yeah. Oh, Daycare on the site where you work would be incredible. I know that there, it, that does exist. But um, for everyone, that would just be amazing, wouldn't it?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. And why are we not doing it? I mean, so much of the time we are not thinking if people need a higher level of care because they have a much higher level of barrier that they face, Mm -hmm. we don't think about it that way. We think, well, why do we get to have all of these special perks? Well, because these people are actually climbing up a hill with a lot more rocks on their back. So we need to actually make that climb a little easier for them to make it fair and equitable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you touched on this a little bit, but what other skills do you think are so important to learn for this future?
2: Well, I mean, one thing that's actually really interesting about this is that traditionally women are taught to be caretakers in our communication. That's why we do things like affirmation nodding when somebody's mm. being unkind to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, yeah, keep it coming. I'm going to keep nodding until tell mm-hmm. you it's okay to make me uncomfortable. So we actually learn all these skills that are really considered soft skills and they have not been valued that much. So, for example, teachers traditionally and nurses traditionally were women. Those fields do not make a lot of money. The wonderful thing about all of this is that those are the fields that are the hardest to replace with AI. So the very things that have been devalued because they are traditionally female, Mm. quote-unquote, are the very skills that people are going to really value because AI hasn't figured out how to hold someone's hand as their loved one is dying. AI hasn't figured out how to crouch down on the floor and talk to a kid who's having trouble because their home life is terrible and you're that star teacher. AI hasn't figured that out yet. And those skills are going to be in demand and the skills that people are really going to want because those are what I call robot-proof skills.
0: Okay, and you said, I just want to repeat it so everyone can hear that again, nurses and teachers.
2: Well, not just nurses and teachers, anything that involves a high level of emotional intelligence.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Because AI just has an, an empathy. Like mm. empathy and intelligence have not, AI has not figured that out yet. Okay. And human beings pretty much have that on the lock. So those are what I call robot-proof skills. And empathy is a a skill. I mean, you can actually learn to be a more empathetic person. Mm -hmm. We could all learn that a little (laughs) bit better, couldn't we? And and we could all learn that, yes. That would be wonderful for the entire world. Yes. And so, you know, right now, I think that it's really important if you're a woman, not if you like that kind of job, not to run from it because for the first time, That is not going to be someone says, oh, that's a soft skill. That's not like the technical stuff. They're going to say, oh, we need that. And if you're a leader, take classes that help you learn to be a better communicator, because that's what's going to delineate the leaders that are really good from the leaders that aren't. And that was true now, but it's going to be even more true as we move forward with AI.
0: Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say a lot through this is um, further your education, take classes. You know, that's going to be super important.
2: Well, we see it coming. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a freight train and it's coming at us (laughs) and, and, you know, we can't say we weren't warned. We absolutely know that it's happening. We absolutely know it's, it's going to happen. So we want to make sure, I mean, the McKinsey report was pretty unequivocal. It said that by, for example, office support and customer service is going to shrink by 5.7 million jobs by 2030. We know this is going to happen. This is, you know, so we have to jump in there now and make sure we have the skills to keep up with the emerging technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to know your opinion on how you feel about this because you're very educated on it. Um, but do you just kind of see it as it's coming? I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to educate people. Or are you a little bit worried yourself?
2: Um, personally, well, I mean, they've actually, the research shows that people who have college educations are going to do better. And there's a lot of, Um, kind of freak out, scare, I don't know if I would call it scare tactics, but sort of um, hyperbolic media reporting on it saying, we're all going to lose our jobs. And the problem with that, obviously, is that then we don't focus on the people who really need the support. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really that worried about myself because I'm highly educated and I'm a speaker and I coach and I write books. And right now, AI can't really touch that. Um, But I'm definitely... I'm very committed and my my passion is really making sure that all women are lifted up because I think traditionally the feminist movement has focused on white wealthy women for the most part and you know for example the glass ceiling which everybody talks about but how many people really need to worry about whether they're going to have a six figure or seven figure job like mm-hmm. very few so why are we doing that's a very to- I call that tri- trickle down feminism <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a very top down approach and i think we need to make sure that Every time in society, there are big problems. Women are impacted. We saw this in the pandemic. It's irrefutable. It's happened over and over. We need to make sure we are taking all women with us and pulling us all up together. And this is a moment for us to get in on the ground floor of a technology where nobody has a lock yet. So we can get in now and really make a difference.
0: Hmm. I want to further that thought just a little bit with my next question. How, in your opinion, how else can we best stand tall and be heard, especially in the workplace?
2: I think there are several things we can do. I think first and foremost, and if you read my book, <laughs> claiming space is living the life of your choosing unapologetically and bravely. And that is, in, by bravely, I don't mean you don't have fear. That's ridiculous. It's being afraid. And to me, bravery is fear meeting action. Still acting, um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just we're all afraid. I mean, anything I've ever really cared about, I've just been scared to death about. But sure. I did the thing anyway. <laughs> right. So so I think that's quite brave. Um So, you know, I think that we need to believe we have the right to claim space. Women are taught and rewarded for being small and being invisible. And when we speak up, we get all kinds of labels. We get the B label, you know, we get the hysterical label and we the word feminism has been demonized as if acting for equity is somehow this radical act. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, so I think we need to understand we have that right and work to do that mindfully every day. Because I do believe, you know, as Maya Angelou says, when you raise up women, you raise up yourself, you raise up all women. But I also think we need to make sure that we are approaching our workplace from a a very specific orientation, which is I'm going to look around me and I'm going to make sure I'm not rising without other women. If I see people who are being mistreated because they have less privilege than me, if I feel like my workplace isn't fair... I am going to step in and try to interrupt that. And I'm also going to make sure that I am working with other women in concert to make it a safe space for all, not an inclusive space, which I think is like, hey, come in, I'll include you in my white male space, but a welcoming space that is for everyone, by everyone, benefiting everyone.
0: Oh, it's so true. We fly better together. It's just, you know, it just, it's, that's very true. Okay. And I... I'm so excited to talk about your book. You are a best-selling author. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: So my book is called The Woman's Guide to Claiming Space, Stand Tall, Raise Your Voice, Be Heard. Um, I wrote it because when I was very young, I had a mother who was paranoid, schizophrenic, and I was actually kidnapped by her. And we went across the country by truck, from truck stop to truck stop, hitchhiking from New York to California. And I really learned that to survive, I had to be invisible. And little girls, of course, start out their lives being rewarded for being cute and small Mm -hmm. and non-threatening and quiet. quiet, Yes. So when you start your life out striving for invisibility, claiming space is really a lifelong struggle. Um, And then I had a head injury in 2013 um, that made it very difficult for me to communicate. So I had to rebuild my communication. And the combination of those two things and the journey that I went on to help me claim space was such a powerful one that I ended up sharing it with people. And I realized, you know, people come up to me after my talks (laughs) and they ask me in the bathroom because they don't want to do it in public. Of course, (laughs) that's where it is. (laughs) I almost named the book Conversations in the Bathroom. They asked me like, you know, I want to ask you this one question I didn't want to say in Q&A. And it didn't matter if I was in Hong Kong or Texas or New York. I heard the same thing. And I realized we need to take these conversations out of the bathroom and into the sunlight. So I interviewed tons of women who are experts in their fields. And I really created a guidebook for women that covers everything from posture to anti-mentors to imposter syndrome to intersectionality.
0: Wow. You're phenomenal. Everything that you've been through and experience and what you've turned it into and the journey that you have. Congratulations. That's I I need to read this book. That sounds absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. and Thank you for writing and taking the time for all of us to write. Um, where can we follow you and buy your book?
2: Well, you can buy my book, Anywhere Books Are Sold. I always feel like an infomercial when I say that, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's great. Good to repeat. <laughs> anywhere Books Are Sold. Uh, please read a re- write a review if you do that. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can get it anywhere. It's also on um, – I actually narrated the book, so you can get it on Audible. And, um, you can also go to my website if, if you want to get it, because I have a lot of independent bookstores listed on that, on my book page that actually can benefit, you know, small businesses. And I think that's super important. There are big clearing houses now that benefit that if you buy the book there, they'll give money collectively to a whole group of small business book owners. Sure.
0: Sure. Oh, that's amazing. Eliza, thank
2: you. And that's ElizaVancourt.com. I'm terrible. I forget to say that. That's okay. Eliza. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's, and
0: spell it for us. Your first name. It's with an E, right?
2: Yeah. It's E-L-I-Z-A-V-A-N-C-O-R-T. No U in court. Not like the courthouse.
0: Okay. Dot com. Okay. Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And we like to wrap these up with our fresh five. Are you ready?
2: I'm so excited. Yes.
0: Okay, here we go. Italian food or Mexican food?
2: Oh my God. I'm half Italian. Always Italian. You know what? I'm Italian too. I appreciate
0: that. I love it. Really? Italian every day. I love Mexican food also. It's really good, but yeah, one or the other, I'm going to choose Italian. Okay. You're on a plane. Carbohydrates. Yes.
2: Carbohydrates. You're on a plane, (laughs)
0: Eliza. Where are you headed?
2: Oh, wow. I love that question. Um, I mean, anywhere my kids are, honestly, (laughs) that's really the truth. I usually travel to visit my four kids. Oh,
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. Are you a texter or a caller? Which do you prefer?
2: Oh my God. I'm so old school. Call. Call. Always call.
0: Okay. You like to connect on the phone with people. Um, Yeah. Sunrise or sunset?
2: Sunset. Don't like to get up early.
0: Okay. And are you a country person or a city person? What do you like better?
2: city 100% I always I love the country but whenever I drive through city the country roads I feel like I'm on the x-files and <laughs> some aliens gonna kill me
0: and you, yeah I mean you never know these days
2: <laughs> I'm a city girl for sure
0: I could appreciate that well it was so fun getting to know you Eliza thank you so much for chatting with us today and we will talk to you soon thank you
2: I hope so. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Of
0: course. And thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review and subscribe and we will see you next week.